This is Kojo. Um, feeling quite happy, as you can tell by the sound of my voice right now. Uh, this is the Free for Podcast, episode 232. And if I'm going to do this correctly, I'm going to have to because um, he's got two goals yesterday. So the title of this show is Your Defense is in Trouble and Katia's in the Room. Let's get started. <laughs> Okay, be a bit more enthusiastic than that. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. I am, of course, your host, Coach, as I said before, and I am joined by three lovely people, three lovely guests. We'll start with the debutants. We have people who are, at this point, only members of the show. So we're going to start with the debutant first. He is a fellow Man United fan of mine. I needed backup for today because if I didn't get him, I would have got absolutely roasted. But I think I'm going to get roasted anyway. Mick, how are you doing, bro? Very good, thank you. After yesterday's loss, you know, I I said earlier today that I never do a reaction show. I need to sleep on it. You know, so I woke up fresh, thought about it, cleared all the clouds, created a blue sky and thought about it. And to be honest, um, pretty all right because we were never expected to go to an hostile emirates who by the way arsenal haven't lost a home game ever this season to take a point we almost got there we rattled them a little bit we disrupted the game plan in 20 minutes we were combated and who scored first marcus rashford yay so i'm, I'm quite happy in the in the overall performance Jerry. like you know um but to concede on the 90th minute is just like you know what i mean it's three minutes left um, yeah. To give an analogy, it's like, you know, you're going around against Mike Tyson. Of course, if you sort of lose your concentration, you're going to get knocked down. And this happened in the 12th round. And it is what it is. I'm a realist. What says on the scoreboard is what it is. Was it a VAR uh, offside? Doesn't matter. The, you know, the score is already decided. And big up to Arsenal for, for being where they are now. They were obviously a better team, right? So... It is what it is, mate. <laughs> you, are, you are a better man than me. I would be shamelessly screaming it was offside if I was not hosting. But I am hosting, so I don't get that privilege. Um, <laughs> um, but, of course, we're going to introduce other guests as well, and they are two very jubilant Arsenal fans. We will go ladies first because, you know, that's how you do gentlemanly stuff in this world. Um, Colleen, how are you doing? I'm amazing. You introduced this like you were on a desert island, like it was your hundredth day on a vlog, sending a cheeky little update, hoping someone would see it. And Mick, very shameless, talking about yeah, Rashford got the uh, got the first goal. Yeah, no, I can be happy with that. Yeah. Listen, I just want to say a big RIP to your um your title race. It started in January 2023 and it ended in January 2023. And yeah, I think. Mick, you need to have a bit of Kojo's vibe. You need to be very, like, down, out, just, like, not... You're just not feeling it. That's the kind of vibe I want to feel from these two men over here. Uh, how are you doing? Because I'm doing amazing. You must be feeling as good as I am. Oh, well, I thought, I thought Kojo was going to introduce me. Um, to me. Kojo could be quiet. Kojo, He's Kojo be quiet. He's taking over the show. Where's Kojo? Oh, it's 18 games to go. The ball is round and anything can happen. It's the Newton's law of gravity. You know, what goes up, the mass comes down. And you know, what injury away from your things squad and you'd be in trouble. You haven't played City yet, though. Mm, by the way. So let's anyway. see what happens. Anyway. anyway. Oh, anyway. how you doing, bro? You good? You good? <laughs> Hi, I, I'm good, thanks. I'll be a bit more 
respectful for now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, as you can imagine, I think um, like with last time, I was quite surprised to be on at quite um, a good moment for, for Arsenal. And uh, hopefully that can continue. Obviously, unfortunate um, that it was at the hands of you guys yesterday. But um, I'm sure we'll dig into to why and how that happened. Oh, we absolutely will. Um, so we'll start with the most important uh, news of the day. Um, Frank Lampard got sacked. So that's where we're going to start. Um <laughs> Oh, 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 we'll come to you first. Um, I thought it was a race between him and David Moyes anyway. So obviously he lost. Um, right decision for Everton? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the big thing is when it comes to these decisions is you probably don't have as much time as you think you do. Um, especially if, what are we, um, just a week, a week and a day, I think, Um left in the transfer window so one i guess you saw it as well last year he i think he was appointed himself quite quite late on in in the january window and managed to kind of scramble together donny van der beek on loan delia on loan as well i think if they're gonna have like ambitions of getting themselves as far away from the relegation zone as possible then they didn't have much time to do anything. Um, so it really makes sense from, from a perspective. But I guess the main thing is you, you have to get the right person in after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, apparently after uh, Bielsa, um, Colleen's face straight away. Bielsa, you're not a fan of Bielsa? You're not feeling that? No, I like Bielsa, but I just don't think he's what Everton need right now. They need a big Sam type of coach coming in. But listen, I really like Everton um, as a football club. I think they've got a lot of history. They're like a traditional Premier League, even um, first division club. So I have a real soft spot for them. So I would like for them to stay in the in the Premier League. And it's a bit sad what's happened to them because they should really be where, you know, where West Ham were, where they were getting into like a semi-final of like a European competition. Like that's the kind of level that Everton should really be at and trying to push for a little bit further up, trying to break into that top six, seven, eight. And um, it's, just been a, it's just been a lot of poor management. And Frank Lampard, unfortunately for him, the writing was on the wall for a long time. And it's a difficult job whatever you may think of him as a coach, I just think it's a bit of a poison chalice at Everton at the minute. It's going to take someone with a lot of experience and know-how in terms of these kind of... A lot of investments gone into Everton. They don't have now have a lot of money to play with because they've put a lot into the players that have come in and the stadium. So they need a strong, experienced manager just to get them over to line and then reset, come for the next season, then you know come up with a proper short-term, medium-term plan. Would you give them a, a short dash? I think Sean Dice would probably get the job done. I don't know how well that would get be received over in Merseyside, but right now, actually, to be fair, I think they'll take anything to get over the line. I think I would like to see like a Nuno kind of character there, but I'm not sure he's going to be the kind of character to save them because right now they're flirting with relegation all over again. Um, I think Sean Dice could probably save them, but I don't think it's a long-term appointment that would keep, you know, Evertonians happy, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, and... If they are to fail staying up, just how big of a disaster would it be for Everton, considering we've seen teams like Leeds, Sunderland, Portsmouth yeah. falter badly. And mm. Only Leeds have recovered from that, really. Um, 
but it took mm-hmm. him a long time to recover for it. Um, how disastrous do you potentially think it could be for him? It's not a, a thing you want to flirt with. I mean, you could be a West Ham or a Newcastle where you've dropped down a couple of times and bounced back up straight away, but it's not something you want to you want to play around with, especially when you look at the kind of characters in their squad, the kind of players, the age profiles as well, and the investment that's gone into it. It could be especially financially quite damaging for them than if it was to be another club. So you would think they'd bounce back up, but you you know there's quite a few strong teams in that championship. It won't be an easy ride. So they better hope they don't have to pay a hard lesson and go down, like you said, like Leeds, and end up staying out for twenty odd years or something. Yeah, that was that long, wasn't it? Bloody hell. Um, Mick, um, we'll yes, talk about just another manager, David Moyes, who was saved by Jared Bowen, apparently for now anyway. Um, but with West Ham as well, uh, their form has been very, very poor this season. I, yeah. I can't even call it form. Form is, form is a good thing. They're not in form. That's just, they're just completely out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, comparing to last season, yeah, it's a big drop from being in 16th place at the moment, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, results. It's unfortunately football is a results business, right? So, if you look at the f- last five games, you had one win, three losses, one draw in the last five games. So, it's not comparable to Frank Lampard. You know what I mean? So, I, I'm not a big advocate to sack a manager in the middle of January, right? Unless you are in the relegation and fighting. So, if you go back to Frank Lampard, I can understand from a business perspective. But for Moise, he's sitting, I think he's sitting quite all right at the moment, barring what he did last season, you know, based on the results. So I don't see West Ham ever going to drop down deeper where they are now. I think they are, they're going to climb out and I think they're going to find the form. They have Declan Rice to carry as well. Um, obviously, he's been heavily linked to Arsenal also, you know, as well so he's, he's struggling to sort of get hold of his squad currently to get the best tune out of him but i think it's a slump of form and as we know football goes in cycles so does form as well so yeah i'm happy that he's safe at the moment but a little bit sad for frankie at frankie lampard at, at the same time because you know um it's not easy for a football manager like you know if he gets the sack or he got the sack so you know it's going to be hard for frankie to come back and, and get another gig from now yeah, well, me personally, um, those kind of managers that keep getting, well, he, I won't say keep because he's had, what, two Premier League jobs in Chelsea yeah, and Everton. Um, and he was, he, was, he was Derby manager in the championship. I'm, I'm hoping that he goes away for a couple of years and actually works on his craft. Sort of like what Eddie Howe did, because Eddie Howe ran his team at Bournemouth and just, you know, went away, you know, sort of revised things, see how he went to train with different people, different coaches his game and now you're seeing what he's doing with Newcastle again it shows what I know about football when, when Newcastle hired him I was on this podcast slaughtering him saying this say, guy should be say there you go. <laughs> I was like get out of here it's a yeah, what is he doing here? Newcastle no. really and now like that. I'm level points with him so really and truly what do I know you know but um we'll go on to um one game quickly because really honestly it was a, a very poor affair it was supposed to be a big game Funny enough, the ninth and tenth, Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, not much to really say about this, apart from this game kind of epitomised where they are in this season. Um, so we'll move on from them. Bye bye. Um, oh. <laughs> no, no joke. Oh, um, we'll talk about we'll talk about a guy that's starting to really, really, really annoy me. And I, as much as Colleen's 
my opinion about Arsenal is jarring me and the fact that if Arsenal win the league, it's going to get a million times worse. I think it will be absolutely hilarious if Man City signed Haaland to score all these goals and not win a Premier League title. But regardless, how annoyingly amazing is this guy? Because he's really on four Premier League hat-tricks. Yeah, I think the, the big thing uh, this season is you see Man City are just explosive in all areas. And I guess the contrast with, if you're looking at, I don't know whether I should call it a title race yet or not. Um, I'm still I'm still to get that European don't do that. qualification. Wait, no, no, wait, wait, don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no don't but, do that. Um, you're, 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 you're the race. You but, are the leaders of the race. Okay, okay. Um, but I think what the, the contrast is, is you're seeing Arsenal spreading it out so much more. Um, and obviously, Haaland's just this kind of prolific freak of a guy. And I think when you're you're watching him you're just almost expecting him to score and it's coming to a point now where the only benefit of him for anyone who isn't a man city fan is fpl points just <laughs> triple captain captain but i think the almost inevitability of him makes makes man city just an even bigger threat than they were even when they didn't say last season where when they were really comfortable um i think arsenal slowly are getting players like that like across the pitch but i think when you're looking at them he's obviously the guy that you're scared of most um and it's quite interesting to see i guess sometimes it's just that fear factor i think from opposition teams you saw i think it was his hat trick goal um where Jose saw literally just passed it to a massive <laughs> player. And I, I don't think that happens if Haaland isn't playing. I know um, teams will press uh, well, like Arsenal did against United yesterday. Um, but I just feel like there's almost an extra element of, oh my God, that guy's there. What am I going to do with this? And it's, it almost affects your decision-making before you <laughs> at your feet and i think um that's probably the extra element that um makes him a bit more annoying from from a rival's point of view uh, um a question for, for both of you you and colleen are you fearful obviously you haven't played them yet so are you fearful that he could be that day, or on those two days anyway in crazy form or do we have belief that saliba and uh, that's what it's called. There's a Luke Shaw. Can do a Luke Shaw on him and um, stop him scoring goals. Should I go first or clean? Um, maybe I'd say if you asked me that question a month ago, I would have said yes. Uh, I'd say maybe not fear. I can't think of another word right now. Maybe wary. Um, because he he has gone through games where he hasn't scored, like the Brentford game. Um, a few, obviously the United game as well. <laughs> I help you guys out with that one. Um, but um, I think the way Arsenal set up defensively is so aggressive that if they get it right, then they should um, have a good foothold in that game to not just deal with him, but obviously contain what Manchester City can do as well. So I think 
it's more um awareness of okay if arsenal don't get this right then they could get exploited rather than a fear factor i'd say for me I mean, also, you're very cheeky. I saw that smirk as you as you brought up that question about doing the Listen, I, I see your your motives. I see your motives. I'm just Listen. here, you know. I'm just here. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Realistically, we've got to play City what three times in the FA Cup and twice in the league. So the chances are we're, he's going to score in one of the three, um, provided he starts all three or he has some part to play in it. So I w- I'm not fearful of him at all, to be honest with you. Um, I think similar to the United game, shall we say, is that if you can prevent him from getting involved in the game or stop those kind of like passing links towards him, then half the job's done. The other half is the mental battle knowing that you're and the psychological one knowing that you're going to be playing, you know, one of the most informed strikers, you know, in, in world football currently, an absolute android. So I think... If he was to score in the first game we play against them, in terms of that psychology, I think then it might have a bit of an impact. Not to overstate it too much, but, you know, football can be quite fickle, especially when we're playing them twice away and once at home. So, you know, it's it swings and roundabouts in that respect. And I think for Arsenal, the overall kind of outlook should be okay in the league ideal scenario is probably four obviously you want two wins but ideal is win your home game and at least get a draw at the etihad and then the fa cup i think comes first before yeah. both yes. the league games so that one's quite important because you expect both teams to maybe rotate a little bit so maybe he doesn't start but for arsenal in terms of like psycho- psychologically both in the fa cup and in the league it's like okay if we can get a result here you go in with more confidence in the next couple of games against them regardless if harlan's starting or not and if he started in the in the FA Cup game, but if he doesn't start in that FA Cup game and we still lose, then, you know, that kind of mental aspect might play into it. It's a bit of a game of chess, but I, I would like to think Arteta's not speaking to the boys and telling them to be fearful of this um, of Heartland or this Man City team because we're quite close in goal difference despite his goal-scoring, you know, spree he's going on. And uh, in, in case anyone didn't know or couldn't remember, we are top of the league. So... We've got to believe in our sports a little bit as well. Believe in that in that Arteta juice there a little bit, but you know, I I think Gabriel and Saliba will be able to do a Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, bye. You know, he went <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right. You are top of the league, and truth be told, you have every reason to be confident in stopping him. I, I, I don't see the reason why you can't. To be honest, and if there's two centre backs right now as well, that's from this season that they are capable of stopping many forwards in world football it is those two they're very confident and they've got protection around them as well that's really good and you've got Ramsdale who again confidence he's, he's not afraid of any striker it doesn't matter who it is you know so I, I respect that I respect that Mick quickly on the rifles um obviously they are I think closer to us than the other Arsenal um that's a quick one on the Haaland question it's yeah a weird a weird one where fans are saying city are losing a bit of their i don't know fluidity because they're trying to get goals to him which will get goals in any um do you agree with that sentiment do you think city are as not as fluid as before and that's the reason why maybe they're not without discrediting Arsenal because people will say if they were on form the Arsenal wouldn't be top i don't believe that you play, you play how you play in it, but it, it's a very good. Your team, go on. 
Um, it's a very valid question and something that I thought about uh, long and hard the other day as well. And, you know, as a consumer of the game, I tend to watch every team play, you know, if, if time allows. But, you know, most of the priority goes to the United games, of course. But, you know, what I saw this season was that, you know, it's similar to what, uh, you know, uh, we try to do with the... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, we tried to force feed Ronaldo with the, you know, all balls on Cristiano. So basically, the way I saw it from a tactical perspective that, um, you know, Pep changes tactics, like instead of going wide the way they used to do, everything went narrow towards Haaland. And Haaland, for me, is a freak of nature. Like every 10 years, this there's a new star, there's a new striker. He's a natural striker. And by the way, United almost signed him because he played under Molde, under the ranks of Olegon Solskjaer that actually mentored him. So we almost got him unless he went to Dortmund, right? So, yeah, I mean, you saw that uh, the game where, which game was it when they were 2 nil down against Spurs, wasn't it? Right? Spurs being Spurs. Oh, yeah, anyway. yeah, last week, yeah. How can, yeah. You, how can you go and drop 2 nil lead to lose 4-2 in the back? I mean, seriously, like. But then we saw, like, you know, the wake-up of... Uh, the old pep to say, nah, I'm changing this because he's been quite stubborn going like, now nah, everything's going to go through Haaland. So he started to play wide again, his old style. And this kind of works right now. So yeah, I'm a little bit fearful that they, once they get the bite, you know, they keep going and it's going to be a great challenge for the titles. It's, I think that's going to stand between Arsenal and City, to be honest, you know, but as I said before, the ball is around and anything can happen. It's 18 games to go and, Whoever finds the run of form and stays injury-free will win the league. It's it's about winning the top six, but also getting points from the lesser leagues, lesser tables, mid-tables, even getting a point, you know, matters at the end of the day in the points tally. That is my honest assessment, to be honest, Kojo. No, that's fair. That's fair. But you you made a point I want to ask um, Art about, and you said something about Pep. Um, he had a very, very interesting interview recently. Uh, <laughs> two of them, actually. The first one, when he said he doesn't care about the Premier League. Um, and the second one being he's rattled by how the fans had sort of reacted at halftime and the way his players played. Um, do you think he did not expect Arteta to get Arsenal this good so quickly? Oh, that's an interesting one. Because um, I think, obviously, a lot of the chat over the past, I guess, week or so is did City underestimate Arsenal? And I guess Arteta comes into that. Um, in a sense, I feel part of that answer is no, because when you look at how um, Guardiola kind of first, not even before he came to England with Manchester City, who was the guy he was always calling? It was Mikel Arteta. Um, so I think he obviously knows, um, I guess, the brain that he's up against. One thing, maybe, I guess, because nobody foresaw what was going to happen this season, not even Arsenal, um, because Arteta has admitted that they are ahead of schedule in in their kind of plan. I think maybe it was a little bit of an oversight in terms of, what do Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko add to that team that they didn't already have? Um, which is obviously not just experience, but a bit more 
um, I guess belief is the word um, to actually have players that have been there and recognize, oh, these guys are actually good enough. Um, so I think uh, that may have been more of an oversight than an underestimation, I'd say, because I think it would be a bit unfair to say someone who has kind of relied on Mikel Arteta um, <clears throat> from before he was like his assistant manager at Man City um, for like little little details and things like that. Um, to say that he underestimated him, I think that would be a bit a bit unfair. But I guess as you'll see in the season unfold, um, you can't really predict much anyway. So um, I think going into into um, this week, which is obviously the FA Cup game, uh, which Colleen mentioned, I think yeah. it'd be quite interesting to see how they match up because last year, I think the the game on New Year's Day um, at the Emirates, that was, even though Arsenal lost, I think that was one of the biggest moments, I think, in terms of that journey from where they started last season, losing three games on the bounce to kind of where they are now. Um, I think that game gave, gave them a lot of belief in what they were doing and how they go about it. So whether they're able to kind of replicate anything near that, I think it would be quite interesting to see. All right. Um, before we move on, I've got a nice one for Colleen. I sure like this one. Because um, Mick made a point about how do you go in 2-0 at halftime and lose the game for 2 But let's be honest now. That is... Heritage, am I correct? <laughs> <laughs> it's the history of the top name, one hundred percent. No, but you know this is a what the fuck, and this is double what the fuck. <laughs> no, but it's 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 hilarious, right? To to be honest, but you know, can I make a point here? Like you know, as we both are on a rebuild, like you know, so you know. It's just so refreshing to see, like, you know, as, as most of people called for Arteta and Edu's head last season, right? But it's just proven the point, Colleen and, and Art, that, you know, if you stick to the plan, you stick to the rebuild, you stick to the process and, and back the manager, you know, get rid of the deadwoods, get rid of Aubameyangs and the bad apples and rejuvenate the squad with beliefs. Now you're bearing the fruit where you are today, right? So I mean, despite Arteta, I kind of half agree and half don't agree. Yeah, but I'm, I'm coming to the point. I'm, I'm coming to a lie. point. Some, yeah, I'm coming to my point here to say that, you know, kudos for sticking to it, right? Kudos because that's his bearing fruit right now. You're sitting on the top of the league and the fan base are rejuvenated as well. Like, you, you know, you're electric, you're starting to, you know, you've been in depressed United supporters for many, many years. But if I compare, like, you know, yesterday's game, uh, Kojo, to say that, you know, okay, from a United perspective, going on socials, there was a couple of bad tweets that I didn't like agree read. And I said, look, you know what, calm down, you know. You know, Ateta's been there for three, four seasons doing this rebuild, but, you know, Eric Ten Hag's been there six months, you know. Give the manager time, right? Because it takes time to build your squad according to your image as well. Like, it's like painting a Picasso picture. Like, you know, you're throwing a, a, like a little bit of a paint here, what sticks, what's gel, and finally you find your formula and you create your masterpiece. So in that sense, like, you know, how, how do you, Arsenal, feel today comparing what you felt like last season? It must be a really buzzing feeling, you know. I mean, I'm, as a United sport, I'm, I'm really happy because I start to believe in our manager and the process. 
except buying at places. Mm, I don't know. I feel like I can't, I, I'm, I'm not going to be um, fickle and use like, you know, because of the success we have now. I'll, to be completely honest, it was, it, well, let me talk about the other point before I get onto Arsenal itself, <laughs> yeah. because I think I, it's never nice when you see a manager sacked and you always see people mm. like, okay, it'd be nice if they got more time because it's always easier to sack a coach than it is. You can't get rid of, you know, 11, 15 players all at once and bring in that many. So you need to find a coach that you can give give time to to build whatever it is that you're building, whatever project that may be, whether that's the league or, you know, pushing in to try and break the top six or whatever it is. But I think Arteta and I think certain managers and coaches, and I think that will just come in from, you know, the hierarchy within and people who are close to them and, you know, who work with them, who've worked with them closely can kind of give you the insight on, because for example, in my opinion, you could give, if you gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer five years, they gave him all the time in the world for this rebuild, let him build it in his own image. He ain't never leading you to a title ever. So it's kind of getting that balance of, okay, am I, I need to believe, you know, more than nostalgia, more than he's a great person. Do I actually believe in this five-year project? I think that's what, Arteta presented was a five-year project and roadmap and they said, okay, we're willing to, to you know, do that. But the, the problem is in football is that you, that's one thing you don't have. You don't have the luxury of time. And it's not like, you know, back in like the 80s as well, because I think you remember Sir Alex Ferguson's like first few years as well was not was not the best. But the, the environment around football is very different now. There's so much money into it and it feels like there's even more pressure than whenever. So, yes, I'm glad we gave Arteta time because... Yeah. I'm now seeing the fruits of it. And I think if you were, don't get me wrong, I was very disappointed and very frustrated at the back end of last season of how close we were to get into the Champions League. And it may have helped us in terms of mentality-wise this season. But the context of it being, if you compare Arsenal to a Roman era Chelsea, whether we like it or not, their, their era worked in terms of backing and bringing new managers very quickly. They were the most successful club during that period in England in terms of how many trophies they were getting. So I'm glad we did stick with Arteta and you could see throughout his time with us that you could see what he was trying to do. He just didn't have the players or they weren't at the right level to execute it just yet. So you kind of have to get that right balance because, you know, your Lampards of this world, your Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't believe will ever take you to that kind of level, no matter how much time you give them. But it, co- it comes down, yeah, it comes down to capability, doesn't it? Like, you know, your mental capability as well. You can be a good leader, but if you, if you lack that X factor, like, you know, I can see, you know, the disciplinary and the application from both Ayrton Hag and Arteta being similar. Like, you know, you know, nobody's barring to start. If you're not good enough, you're not starting enough. If you're late for training, you get punished. Like, you know, we've seen that with Ayrton Hag as well. So, to build a squad to be successful, you need to first instill the respect, right, with the gaffer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is what we lacked with Oregon Solskjaer. Even if we gave him the keys to Ferrari, to the kingdom, he was too nice, pretty much. He played favourites. He didn't play the right players. He let people go left, right, set to take vacations. So what Arteta, according to my opinion, has done by putting his foot, by, foot down and saying, no, this is my way or the highway, right? Aubameyang, you come late, you're out, you know? Shaka is a total different uh, player than he used to be. Like so, the biggest transformation that I've seen in Arsenal is Granit Shaka. What, what I ruled out as well, he was almost on his way out. But look at Shaka now. Like, and he, he's a marshal in that midfield. You know, together with Erdegaard and Party. Like, that's a, it's a combined trio that is your engine. You know, that allows you to play the progressive football that you do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that was me ranting a lot. <laughs> Too uh, much coffee. <laughs> Arsenal just announced Jakob uh, Kivio, by the way. So, oh, um, that's that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. just announced. Wow. Nice. All right. Well, we are talking about Arsenal. Koja, who is signing? Here we go. Right. Okay. So um, the big game that did not disappoint, huh? Liverpool and Chelsea, um, was on Sunday where Man United visited the Emirates, a place where Arsenal are just not losing. And again, they refused to lose. But not only did they not lose, they won the game. They won the game 3-2, two goals by... Eddie Nketiah, and a lovely goal by Mr. Bukayo Saka. Absolutely brilliant goal, must say. Maynard had goals by Marcus Rashford and Lissandra Martinez. But on this podcast, we always, when it comes to the big games, we always start with the victors. So we got to go Arsenal first because they're on a super high right now. They deserve to win the game, in my opinion. They are the informed side in, I'd probably say in Europe at this point, if I'm being brutally honest, I think they're the best... Yeah, no, I'm going that far. Yeah, yeah, I mean, inform, yeah. I'm going that far. Inform, yes. All right. Quality of side, that's a different conversation. But inform, yeah. Come on now. Just trying to stay stay under the radar. Everything I can get out of you, Coach. I'm squeezing everything out. Ah, it's It's compliments. Where's Kay when I need them so I can rant about people instead? No, but it's true. You're you're playing very entertaining football. Even I, as a rival, like to, to watch you play, right? And by my my best friend, my brother from another mother, is a crazy Guinness supporter as well. So yeah, we do talk a lot amongst each other. So yeah, you're playing fantastic football. And yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, no, you are. But let's let's start with the victors. Um, we'll start with Colleen. Let's talk about Eddie and Ketia because um, I think obviously when Gabriel Jesus was signed, it was that was not curtains for his career in Arsenal. He signed a new contract. It was supposed to be the in charge. But when um, has just got injured. A lot of people were quite worried because Nketi doesn't do the same sort of thing for the for the forward line that Nketi does. But mm. one thing you can guarantee from Nketi, he's a goal scorer, man. And how good was yeah. he? Oh, I don't know how you were around Nketi and that whole discourse of his time at Arsenal, but mm. me last season, even I mean, always. I was like, get out of here. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even, even though he went on like a really good run towards the back end of the last season, I was like, yeah, he's great. Um, you know, he's a bit of a poacher, but I don't think he's Arsenal's level. Obviously, signs a new contract. We don't bring in another striker with Jesus, which is what I wanted in an ideal fairy tale world. And um, when I saw Jesus out, I was like, oh, this is looking, it's not looking good. And yesterday, on several shows, I had to make several massive apologies to Eddie Nketiah. <laughs> I will be getting an Eddie Nketiah shirt to solidify my apology because the boy, the boy is, he's the kid. I mean, his mentality, um, which I think was really nice that we got to see, I mean, for me anyway, maybe people already knew about it and people who are a bit more, uh, you know, positive towards him than I was because I, I was just like, it's just not Arsenal's level at the time that was just really harsh on it and seeing his mentality in the documentary being like to that was that scene i don't know if you I, i'm sure art knows what i'm talking about i don't know if you two have seen it where he talks to Lukonga and he's basically like to him you know stop you know stop moaning like you think you're the only one not playing and you're just seeing him improve so much like in this spell the pressure on him is massive because arsenal when he comes in are top of the league 
you know, they're probably having conversations internally as well. Like they can say whatever they like to the to the press about one game at a time, which I'm sure it is. But I'm sure they're acknowledging in London Colony that you know they're there to the league. And he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders, as well as that number 14 shirt. That is a heavy, heavy shirt. And you can even see the improvements in his play, his link-up play. You know the way he's able to turn defenders, and he's always been a poacher. I've never really been he's like that kind of more traditional poacher style for a striker. That's never been like you know the kind of striker I like personally in terms of style. But I can't hate on him. He's just he's getting you. He's doing what a striker does. He's getting you the goals when you need it, when it matters. And yesterday was key. He gets us back level, and he gets the winner. And he's been doing that. The Tottenham game, he did everything but score. So. When Jesus comes back, there's a fair argument for Jesus not to walk straight back into that team. Mm. At least you have options now. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. And I'm sure Arteta's Mm. waiting for it to get to the end of Feb when he can have that headache. And we'll continue with you before we go to Art. Another goal scorer. Now, um, I'm just going to say this, right? (laughs) When I was asked the question of who's the best young talent in the country, I'm stuck between an Arsenal player and a Man City. Yeah, I'm not really happy about talking about either of them and, you know, not having someone in that conversation at that moment in time. But him and Foden are clearly the top two in the country, in my opinion, by far. They, they're gone. And I thought Foden was clear. But this season, Kaiosaka has... I don't know if he's levelled up or he's showing the potential that he really had that I just didn't know he could fulfil. Um, the guy is a monster right winger. He's so, so good. How much... Of a joy is it watching him, knowing that when he gets the ball, something's going to happen no matter what? I feel like a proud mum. I really do. <laughs> I'm just like, he's come from Hairlands, you know, everything he's gone through as well with the Euros. Yeah. Even when he broke into the Arsenal squad, you know, more left back and the, everything that he's done. And each season he's improved. I think he's got better on his uh, on his right foot as well. He's just improved and gone up a level each, you know, every six months in those kind of periods. I think he's really taking his game to the next level. And it just brings a smile on my face. It's just, there's nothing better than having a young player from your academy blossom in your first team. And we're blessed with at least three with Inketia to a degree and, and Smith Rowe. But Saka, I mean, he's just, he's my pride and joy. If he leaves, <laughs> I think I will cry. It's so refreshing. And he just does it with a smile on his face. I think Sierra even said, when you look at Pakayo Saka and you look at Emil Smith Rowe, there is no doubt you see on their head Arsenal Football Club. And I think that's what, that's just something that just takes it to another level for me outside of his talent. And he's still so young. He, yeah. And I don't see any reason why, you know, he can't get better. Because, you know, when you always get those young players, like, for example, your, your Walker at the time, for example, or maybe even to a lesser degree, your Bentleys and whatnot, where you can see they've got the talent, it's, but it's a will they, won't they? Will they, will they kick on? Will they maintain that? But I think it's different with someone like Saka and your, and your Foden's. They just look like different gravy and that they're going to continue getting better, which is only a good thing for England. And in my, our case, um, Arsenal. Oh, I mean... Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just saw something, my bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Saka oh. doing this yeah. right behind you. That's what you saw. Hey, we ain't got to do that now. That celebration's gonna... dusted now. Rashford, it's not dusted. better not Listen. dare pull that out Listen, again. Firstly, Firstly, Russia stole, stole from someone else in the first place anyway, so it's not even his. Secondly, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> um, oh, to you, I will ask this question. 
I think I would say, in my opinion, firstly, it was a more even game in the first half. I think you guys kicked off very well. You guys out of the blocks quick, and then Mane gradually grew into the game, had their spell, got their goal, and then you got your goal, and then it was sort of back and forth. But in the second half, my goodness, you guys came out on, on a mission to absolutely destroy United. Um, what? Where do you think the game was won? Like, where do you think Arteta said, I need to maybe target this player or maybe this section of United a lot more and the substitutions because the Trossard and um, uh, Tomiyasu substitutions worked big time. Yeah, I, I don't think it was anything Arteta said, if I'm being totally honest, because that second half has happened at least three or four, maybe even five times this season, okay. where Arsenal, I guess... If you think of the Liverpool game at the Emirates, again, very similar first half where Arsenal really quick start um, and then it gets into kind of like a boxing match. And then just as they come out for the second half, I think they almost go into like this sense of overdrive where they're they're not just knocking on the door, they're at, they're absolutely hammering at that door as if they were like a SWAT team doing a drug raid. Like that is the only comparison I can think of when I'm seeing how they're kind of just penning teams in for half an hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes yeah. in those second halves. And when when you're doing that, it's just a matter of time, really, before you get an opening. And I think, luckily, obviously, Nketiah's positioning in, in the box has always been great. His finishing has always been great. So he's there to kind of... Honestly, his finish is ridiculous yesterday. I don't really think people actually comprehend that he's he's bent his leg back and hit that in with his shin. I don't think people understand how hard that would have been to, to pull off. Um, but in terms of the subs, I think that was a really interesting kind of subplot to the game because Arteta never makes halftime subs. <laughs> that's something that every everyone has held against him since um since he was uh given i guess taken charge sorry um because i think everybody got kind of used to emery making subs at halftime almost every single game um and there were moments where those halftime subs worked really well like i'm sure uh colleen remembers the the North London derby at, at the Emirates where Ramsey and I think it was Lacazette came on at halftime and then they won 4-2. Moments like that, I think, got people to latch on to those kind of halftime subs and when they didn't get them from Arteta, I guess similar to Pep in what you mentioned earlier, Kojo, in, okay, we're going to stick to this plan and that's my plan. Um, it was quite nice to see him just... Um, not. It wasn't a plan B, but just give his options some time, especially because Ben White didn't play particularly well in that first half. And then with Trossard coming on, I think you saw um, what was missing in that Newcastle game. Um, it wasn't particularly different from what Martinelli was doing. It was just sharper, I think. Um, and he, he gets into slightly different areas in terms of being a bit more central than Martinelli, who likes to stay wide. But mm. I just thought you saw what they were about in terms of bringing him in in January. Just not not just a squad player, but someone who could actually mix it with with those guys because that that little moment, not just for the goal, but um, 
when he danced around like five players inside the box, two-footed, number 19, like a certain someone. I'm not going to say his name. Um, <laughs> um, that that was um, one of many moments that had me squealing yesterday. So, um, yeah, it was um, very nice to see. And on Enketia and Saka, luckily, um, I've got my receipts on Enketia going back a few years. So... <laughs> so I, I didn't have to make any apologies yesterday, luckily. <laughs> um, and um, Arteta, uh, it's a question for both of you. I, I, you can start first and then Wes Colleen as well. Um, just how... Obviously, he's added players, so trust us coming. Great impact straight away in a, in a huge game. Put off the bench, confident, knows Premier League. Probably even knows his opponents a lot more than, you know, if you, you're talking about other players coming in. So he came in with an instant impact. But... With him adding extra players now, do you think he is now starting to show the confidence that he believes he can build a squad capable of actually going on to now win the league? I think he's looking at this team now and saying, I'm just adding these guys as backup because I know this team now can really push for it. Or do you think he's still being a bit... I mean, the football's not showing it. It won't show it because Arsenal, you play, you play a very great attacking style of football. But do you think he's... um maybe just trying to hold back a little bit and saying oh, we're going for the title. Maybe to the players he's saying it, but he, he's not ready to give it out just yet and say, yeah, we're really pushing for this. Well, they're never going to say it until the 38th match day of the season. So I don't know why people would expect him to. Um, in terms of... Conte, Conte said it. Conte said he was trying to get started with, with sports. And look at him. Look at him. And look at him. Please. Um, <laughs> and also, every time you listen to Jurgen Klopp's uh, interviews, like, why are you going to blame it on now? Okay, there was a raindrop fell on the ball that changed the trajectory, and then he is in Car- Sainsbury Car Park. Yeah, right? <laughs> nah. But, um, yeah, I, I think in December, whatever happened, wherever Arsenal were, if they were fourth, if they were sixth, they had to... They had to uh, get reinforcements in January. It doesn't. It doesn't come down to oh, they're in a title race, so they're doing this. I think you saw, I guess, the mistakes of last January where they had. <laughs> You're giving um, me Vietnam flashbacks yeah. first, Emery. Sorry. Yeah. sorry about that. Um, but they they had a month um, to to reinforce uh, with a striker and a midfielder. It was last year. Um, and they, they, it cost them that they didn't, uh, in the end. And I think wherever they were, they would have tried to, to rectify that this, this January. Um, and again, the Newcastle game that I mentioned earlier, I think they're lucky that that happened their first game of the new year. Um, because Mm -hmm. it just kind of reinforced what everyone knew really, um, from Arteta to, Colleen, to me, to whoever is watching on the stream, uh, everyone knew they needed another option. Uh, and not just a body, by the way, um, someone who could actually contribute in wide areas because Europa League starts back up for Arsenal in March. Um, if they want to go on that FA Cup run, then they're going to need to to rotate that team because I think even in the Oxford game, uh, third round of the FA Cup, Martinelli plays 
90 minutes and Katia, I think, plays 90 minutes as well. And Saka only comes off because he got a little knock or something like that. So I think coming into the last week of January and um, going into February, it's great to see that not just they got Trossard and um, let me get the pronunciation right. One sec. I'm going to have to practice. Yeah, I'm going to have to practice that one. Um, But they got Emil Smith-Rowe coming back as well, which I think is as big as those two because mm-hmm. um, anyone who knows me knows Emil smith is... If, if Bukayo Saka is Colleen's son, then Emil smith is mine. Can I pose a question to you? How big blow was that you actually missed on Mudrich? Like, you know, you almost had him, right? That would be a great signing for you moving forward. Yeah, uh, I don't know what Colleen thinks. She can probably jump in after me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one that I don't really know if I'm being totally honest because of what happened yesterday. Um, I think Trossard and Mudrick had very similar cameos. Um, obviously, that game at Anfield was just dry, but he was the one that really kind of made it exciting with how he played. Very two footed. Yeah. Very quick. I think the obvious upside is he's much younger and has much more potential. Um, but if you're looking at the short term, medium term, then I don't know um, if they'd be that upset because yeah. they're still um, in with a chance. But I don't know what Colleen thinks about that. No, I, I think I agree, to be honest with you. I think, you know. Arsenal obviously had their... They obviously didn't want him that much if they weren't prepared to go to, you know, do exactly what Chelsea wanted to do or whatever the structure, what, however it ended up in, you know, the finer details of it. Or, you know, Arsenal have a line and they won't be, you know, they won't be held to ransom. And they only want players who want to play for Arsenal, despite all the social media PR and whatnot. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's not in a he's not in a red and white jersey. And yeah, it'll be cool. something we'll have to look at in what will come towards the end of his contract in eight years' time, whether in 81 <laughs> he's in the in the Bundesliga on a loan or whether, you know, he's actually had a great career at Chelsea. Yeah. Um because he's, you know, as Art said, his cameo at um, Anfield was the only kind of bright spark in a very drab game. Mm. With that being said, any elite football club that has anyone with some level of competency up top running things, these things can happen. So you've Mm. got to come up with contingency plans. You don't just plan for the window January 1st and you go in, you know, with your eyes, you know, blind. You plan for these things in October, August, and even the January from before. These things aren't accidents. So that 100 million that or thereabouts, 90, 80 or whatever, you know, how much it is, has obviously now been like, okay, is going now through other areas of the squad that we definitely needed. And whether we go big again for someone else in the summer, we'll have to see. But it could, in my opinion, it could be a bit of a blessing in disguise because yeah. as much as he is such a young talent and we've got a glimpse of it so far, us getting in Trossard, who plays a big role in us getting that win yesterday um, and bringing in um, two, well, it seems like, what, at least another centre-back and there's rumours of potentially another right-back, you know. Yeah. That kind of more more than just bodies, but quality young players mm. coming in that Arteta really wants. I kind of prefer that right now, considering where we are and how light we are as a squad, because our bench looks so much better already. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I must say the, the difference is 80 million, right? So it's a astute business to get already a prim proven Trossard. I rate Trossard at Brighton. It was like, mm -hmm. it's really good. And it costs 20 million. If you pay like 20 million, is it prim proven experience can do a job? Like, you know, obviously he fell out a little bit and didn't get a lot of game time at Brighton, but the difference for him coming out yesterday, he, he played a contribution for the 2-1 goal as well, the way he was running. Now, Paying 100 million, okay, that, that leaves you 80 million to spend in the summer. Like, if you, so for me, it's a good signing, Trossard. Like, you know, I'm really happy for you guys. I mean, I'm glad we got him. I don't know how you thought up, but I was like, okay, solid, prem proven, yeah. Yeah. decent. I experience. think um, it's not just a prem proven thing as well. Obviously, that's the kind of line everyone will go with, but Arsenal in house have known about him for a while because, mm. um, the assistant manager, mm -hmm. Albert Stoivenberg, um, coached him at Genk uh, when he was there before he was at Brighton. Um, and I think also, um, I did actually ask Arteta about this last week. Um, it just seems like Arsenal have just filled the pitch with technicians now. Um, and it reminds me a lot of that early Emirates kind of Arsenal where you had... People who could play centrally playing out wide. You had people who could play out wide playing centrally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm talking about like Nazri, Rosicki, Kaleb, mm. those guys, um, mm. where they all just go in wherever they want to and it just flows. Um, so I'm quite happy with that. Um, and yeah, hopefully it continues. Well, um... <laughs> Sorry, was that too much positivity for you, Kojo? <laughs> a bit, a bit, a bit, yeah, a bit. But um, no, you guys, you guys deserve to win. To the team that deserve to lose, um, hmm. Mick, Man United lost yes, the game, as you, as you know. Yes. Um, but where did it go wrong? I, I have my opinions on this. I, I will try and chime in wherever I can. Um, Art and Colleen, you can ask as many questions as you want to, or <laughs> chime in where you want to as well. Uh, but Ruby, where did you, um, Mick? Where do you think the um, what do you think the game was lost on Man United? Where was the key moment where you said you saw it's going south? I actually, I, as I said earlier, like you know, I I refused to do a match reaction after the game because, you know, emotions were running high. So like you know, I don't let my emotions clog my judgment. So I had to sleep on it, and when I woke up, it was all fresh. I cleared all the clouds and looked at it from all angles. Where did it go wrong from the first place? Is knowing that you know, Arteta never changed his lineup. It's always the same, right? That's the thing. Right. So where it goes wrong in the first place is, you know, if I'm Merrington Hag, I know what the lineup is going to be from Arsenal, so it's from Teta. So I did, when the lineup came out and I saw Scott McTominay that hasn't started for six games to play against Erdegaard, you know, that was just an open invitation for a slaughter, right? So <laughs> the game was lost already in the midfield because if you're playing against... You know, Erdegaard, if you play against um, Shaka, if you play against who else? Um, Thomas Party, right? And you have like, you know, um, okay, McTominay. Uh, he's, uh, he's not, of, you know, he's not positionally aware. He's eyeballing. He's not like, you know, he's drifting away. And he gave Erdegaard yards of space for his creativity. Like, you know, Erdegaard, we know he's a playmaker. So where it, it, it went wrong is we invited them, um, basically. We defended narrow. So we allowed them to play the game like playing wide, 
right? We know that Ericsson don't have the legs to play 90 minutes. We know that Bruno sometimes gives the ball away. And plus putting in McTominay in, I didn't really think that that was the correct lineup. I think if it would, of course, we missed Casemiro big time. And um, <laughs> we, we did. I mean, I would I just got a flashback least... of how he got that stupid yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know, I know. Come on, come on. Oh, let's not oh, Sorry. I would, expe I would expect a, a more uh, competitive midfield from, from United because games are won and lost in the midfield. We did well in the first half because we know the rock and roll football you do. The, the German umfa umfa 200 kilometers an hour techno bumpa bumpa bumpa. It's just going into a fight with Mike Tyson and just you go all in the first 30, you know, first minute, just pound, pound, pound. I expected us to go what we did against City, you know, just put in Fred, man Mark Erdegaard, don't give him the yards of space, but that didn't happen. But we did well, like, you know, in the first 20 minutes, we, we resisted that gag in press, we got the first goal, you guys responded very fast within six, six minutes, and it was game on, right? It was a very good game, very good first half. Where it went wrong in the second half, I expected Ten Hag to say, listen, we know they're going to go on hard on us in the, you know, on, on the first 20 minutes again. I would have adopted, like I would have made the changes, but no. We let that one in and we came back with Zabucha, Martinez. Everyone was slagging him, oh, he's too small. Arsenal wanted him, but you know what? He's our butcher, he's our hobbit, you know what I mean? So that goal from, from the leader, <laughs> <laughs> the leader Martinez was sublime. Like, you know, he had this bandana and managed to head it over, you know, what was it? Uh, Listen, that, uh, that goal, I, I, we watched the replays a, about several times and I've skipped that wicked. goal each time. From an He's so good. Do you know how awful That's, that was yeah. to watch? Yeah, skip yeah, that. yeah. Skip, skip, yeah, skip. I know. And afterwards, my mate called me and said, like, you know what? The, the man of the match from your end was Martin. It's like, yeah, he was. He was very competitive. Uh, so where did it go wrong, Kojo? I must say, you know... We did try to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, but we didn't have the engine to, to complete. And, and as I said, like Ericsson Hag was very upset in the post-interview because we, it looked like we were going for a point. You know, if we, were taking any, you know we, we were taking a draw, like and a point is a point, right? But it's never easy to come to Emirates, especially when it's your fortress, where you have 60 angry you know, Arsenal supporters being part of the... Uh, you know, the 13th play, the 12th play was, of course, a teta. You got a yellow card on the sidelines. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he, he was part of the game as well. But I would say easily, like, you know, we switched off. Um, the substitution was wrong. So I, I love Ayrton Hyde, but he got the subs wrong. He could have thrown in Ganacho early stages. He could have taken off Weghurst, put Rashford in the middle, go Ganacho on the left. He didn't have to take off Anthony because Anthony was cooking, you know, Every time Anthony got the ball, he had like what? respect. He had two, yeah, no, he had two, three players surrounding him, right? What, what, but he was, was he no, no, no. Was the oven <laughs> on? I don't think the oven was on. Electric was not paid. Electric no, but was not paid. He played a good part as well because his roles, he, he was also tracking back, like he was providing defensive support as well, which oh. I like in a way. So, but at the end of the day, Kojo, what, what happens is that we switched off. Like, you know, we all already made it. We came to the 90th minute and there was nothing we can do. Was it an offside goal? I don't know. It's, no. it's up to debate. It but, wasn't. No. <laughs> it wasn't. Mm. But, um, At the end of the day, Arsenal was more more uh, hungrier. Arsenal was the better team, um, possession-wise. Before we equalised, I, I looked at, at the broadcast that I said win percentage was um, Arsenal 95%. Boom. And, 95%? You know, wow. Yeah. 
So anyway, I think it, it was kind of the game of the season, barring the game that we played against uh, City, right? It was a very, very good test. It was electric. It was good football. Um, but it's not easy to come to Emirates and try to go toe to toe. So big up for Arsenal for the win, and big up for Teta, and big up also for your boy, for your boy Saka, right? He he was really really good. You know that shot he he had against the hair was mint. Um, what? Yeah, Mick, I'm actually not letting you guys get off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You see, I thought, what have I done? <laughs> I gave you the roses, Colleen. No, I've got, I've got questions. I've got questions. And I know Kojo in particular around one of these questions has a lot to say. Mm. I want to know both of your thoughts around Wan Bissaka, who's had a bit of a revival at United. Caught sleeping a couple. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, he did. The word revival. The word revival needs to stop. <laughs> Okay, that because <laughs> no, no. Okay, yeah, you got me started. Okay, so <laughs> see, the thing is, the thing is, I'm I'm a big advocate of form being called after like seven games plus, where you're actually just keep on going because that lets me know that yeah, you're feeling super confident and no one can get past you. Your the football, the confidence in your football is showing. You're on the ball. You're confident. You're great. But I have an issue with this thing about Wamisaka being a great defender, and I, it, it irritates me when I hear it because. Being good on what in one on ones is cute. I'm going to use the term cute because I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed with him. It's cute. It's cute. But his his lack of defensive awareness terrifies me, and it keeps happening during set pieces. And mm, I can go back to pieces. last season. I can go back to last season. I think it might have been Bournemouth where no Bournemouth promoted this year. So whoever it was, there was a the ball came in, and him and Maguire were like essentially hugging each other <laughs> rather than marking players. And then in this game. <laughs> In this game, also play a short corner, and then when they eventually whip it in, you look backwards at Enketia, so you know he's there, and you go forward to the man that Luke Shaw's on. I don't understand mm. what's happening. I don't get it, but he keeps doing it. So being a great defender, no, that's rubbish. Nish. Mick? No, he slept uh, on basically on, on that uh, Ketia goal. Like, you know, clearly saw it in the re replay, right? He... he um... Yeah, he just switched off. But I remember one incident because he's very good on, on slide tackling on when we won. Like, you know, it, there was one incident where where he stopped. Who was it? It was a one on one situation. The guy was running free and, and just he threw his spider legs and just kicked off. That, that That is his trait, right? That's his spider legs. That's what we call him. But um, to go back, you know, before um, December, nobody rated him in the fan base. Everyone thought he was going out, like on a January transfer rope. And that headache has been solved because we no longer need to go to the market to get a right back. We have a good backup in, in terms of Deloitte being our first choice right back. So we were seeing some of what happens. But for me, Wambasaka does a great job for now. Um, I'm just going to answer that question below. The question is, you could say he was at mistake for the goal yesterday, but he was a left back. Should someone else have been there? Um, that that's that's not the point for me. If you're a defender in a set piece, if once you've got your man, you just have to do everything you can to beat him to the ball and make sure you're goal side. He was goal side and then fell asleep. So I know he's a right back at left back in that situation, but if you focus and get the ball out, you can help the team get back into position, adjust properly, and then go from there. So it's unfortunate he was at left back, but it might have been a tactic because two or three corners later, he was there again. So mm -hmm. You know, I, most I, of the I, time, I, most of the time they reverse at set pieces anyway, so you can yeah. kick away with your stronger foot. So. Exactly. So, that, but that, tactically, I, I, I can look at this way, Kojo. I can look at it this way because we defended very narrow, 
Like so, the, we we allow the wide play of of uh, uh, Martinelli uh, and also Saka to play wide and and dominate, right? So what is was he supposed to do? You know, they were overlapping each other. So yeah, it was a tough tough day at work for both of them, right? For both Shaw and and um, Bissaka. I think Shaw made a few. I was a bit confused with Shaw. I don't know. I want to say it from a United perspective. Not that he had a particularly overly bad game, but. It felt almost criminal that you were allowing Saka to go onto his yeah. left foot and cut in. I don't think I don't think he wanted anything to do. I don't think he wanted anything to do with Saka. I'm not scared to do anything to do with Saka. Because I was thinking, Saka, Saka did you not learn the first well, time? I, the first yeah. time he cut in. Mm. The similar thing happened in both of the Spurs games. I think it was Perisic and I can't remember who was left back in in the the most recent one, but. It's almost like that ground and pound. Like Saka just mm. picks up the ball and runs, and mm-hmm. defenders back off because they're scared. They don't mm-hmm. know what to do. But that's that's the issue with Saka. It's even though you know he's left footed, and ideally he's going to try and cut in. That he's so good, up. also going direct down the wing. So he's yeah. unpredictable, and I don't think he knows how to deal with that. Him cutting in on Shaw was annoying. The one that annoyed me was the goal that he scored because yeah. I'm not saying Ericsson can do a lot. Ericsson's not a good defender. That's that's point back period. That's fine. That's so I, know that I don't expect too much from him. But again, me being the cynic that I am when it comes to defending, get close to him. Don't let him cut in because you know where his strongest foot is. So if mm. he's going to beat you, let him beat you, but not make it so easy to, for him to go in and then mm-hmm. get that shot in because... Saka has definitely improved on his shooting and he's getting stronger physically as well. So he's now mm-hmm. he's even a bigger challenge. So you've got to do everything you can to minimalize any chance of him shooting that goal for the hair to have a problem. Um but Saka's Saka's difficult to deal with if I'm being just yeah. very honest. He's very hard to deal with. He's a, he's a top player. Um Mick, um yes, another sir. question. You mentioned McTominay, and I'm going to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. I, I want you to, I want b- b- both of you as well to really just get in on this one, right? <laughs> when you talk about fan. oh, oh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, he had a special job for him, yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you talk about players like Odegaard, you can debate what his his best quality is. He's a great passer, um, or his his best quality is the fact that he can, he's so good with the ball at his feet, close control, you know, all of that. Sackers, where mm-hmm. you can say the same thing. You know, I can go back to bloody uh, two guy who played for Blackburn. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Long range shots. I know that's his. I know that's his. Yeah, but Matt Tomini. Here's a question for everybody: What's his best quality? Passion. 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 passion merchant. Passion. Yeah, he's your passion merchant. Passion. Mm-hmm. That's his best quality. Man. <laughs> Nick. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being honest because I'm struggling to find because I've been analyzing Scott McTominay for for many many years and and you know the donut hole what we had with McFred, I finally said McFred is dead. Like you know we've got Casemiro, we got quality midfielders, so clearly we can see that Scott McTominay is just a good bench player, right? He's, he's a good option to come in when it's like seventy minutes left. You just need fresh legs. But for me, Scott McTominay at the moment is not on form. He, he doesn't offer anything other than height, right? And whenever he comes in, he's a liability in fouling and giving stupid fouls away, right? So for me, I don't know. Um, 
I used to call him the bishop because he used to just go side, you know, like in chess play, he just used to go side by side, passing side by side. I like that. But I like that. He's, he's, he's not a CDM. He's never been a CDM. So he's a box-to-box midfielder. So, you know, if he plays, you know, if you're given the role to attack, being more of an attacking rider, you, you've seen how he's, he can score a goal. Like, you know, he also has a sort of a lethal shot outside the six-yard six box. But for me, it's not a consistent enough. Like, you know, under Oli time, like, you know, he was constantly picking um, Scott and, and, and Fred. And I didn't understand why, because obviously they were picked on the, on, on the, what they did in training. But when you look what the pitch performance was, there's like, I was scratching my head. It's like, why? Why? And yeah. um, under everyone, uh, under Ten Hag's development, he's the only one that really hasn't caught on to it in terms of development. So I'm, I'm starting to think that he's reached his peak of development. So there's even rumours that he's going out to loan spell or sell to Newcastle, what the media is saying. If, I don't think it's going to happen in, in January, but... <laughs> you take that smile off your face. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, you know, we're Manchester United. We're Manchester United. We, we need to sort of... if. We need to sort of look at where do we need to invest the money right now. We need a proper striker. We need another ball carrying, you know, centre midfielder or, or or CDM where we can't have Casemiro, right? Because Casemiro has been, you know, the the general, the don, the registrar. He's been arguably one of the best CDMs in the league at the moment, or even in Europe, the right? Best. The 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 best. Yeah. The best. Absolutely. So. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really. It's, it, it hurts me to say as a United supporter because I back my team, I back my manager. But you know, you got to give critics where critics do. And I don't think he's a uh, you know up up there like to be a, a you know a first team player. You know, he's the maximum squad player. But coming that you know we're playing three games a week until mid March. We need bodies, right? We need rotations. Yeah. So same with the Van Bissaka. You know, we need good quality rotation players as well to come in. That's yeah. my so oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um I'm gonna ask Art this question. Um I wanna ask about the substitutions from Ten Hag and what you thought of that because you mentioned that Ateta for the first time in Yonkers made us up at half time. <laughs> that's not something that you see often. So we made our first sub. I think after we went 2-1 down with Fred, mm. I could be very wrong. I, I, yeah. I think so. And then when we went 3-2 up, out of nowhere, I saw Garnacho running on the pitch. Now, that's very reactionary compared mm. to Arteta, in my opinion, anyway, who sort of maybe saw a problem at halftime and said, I need to bring Tomiyasu on now, maybe to deal with the, I don't know, the Rashford threat, for example. So, if you could give me a sort of, I don't know, unbiased opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you really think of those subs? Uh, what do you think? Who did uh, Fred replace again? I can't An- actually... Was it Anthony? Was it Anthony? Anthony. They took off yeah. a winger. They played okay, Bruno yeah, on the right help wing, out, so. sure, right? To pop yeah, yes, yes, yes. Because when, when you mentioned, like, the special plan and stuff, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> to play Martin's sorry. A CDM. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but you can't, you can't play um, Scott McTominay and say you've got a special plan <laughs> no, no, him. No. I, I, I can't believe it. But anyway, please, please continue. Yeah. Sorry, because when when that was said, 
and then you see how the first half kind of transpired. I guess everyone's assumption would be, oh, he's going to do a Herrera job um, on Erdegaard. But McTominay is on the right of the Man United midfield and Erdegaard's on the right of the Arsenal midfield, where he always is. So they're on opposite sides anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the game went on, I just kept thinking, what is the plan? What is the plan? And then I think it maybe it clicked at some point oh, is it to stop Zinchenko from just going wherever he wants to go? Um, Because you saw, I think, against Tottenham, um, first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, Zinchenko had to stay quite quite, um, contained, I guess, at left-back. And then after about half an hour, he started going wherever he wanted. And I think it was just a similar kind of trend um, in yesterday's game, where after a while, Zinchenko just thought, all right, I'm just going to run off to the right wing and get involved in some play over there. I'll go centre mid, pop a ball around. I'll just keep us keep us ticking over. And I think the Fred substitution made a bit of sense in, in terms of if you want to get more of a lid on that, especially um, with how Zinchenko was going over to that right-hand side and making it easier for Saka to do what he wanted uh, whether it was go inside or out. So that kind of made a bit of sense. It was still reactionary because that theme had basically built to a crescendo by the point um, Fred had come on. Uh, the other one, uh, Garnacho, I think it was, very late on. I, I just very, very that was, too late. That was someone trying to, to claw at the game mm. and get something back. I, I don't think it was anything more than that. Um yeah, and I guess you kind of saw um, substitutions like that from Arteta very early on. Um, mm. There were times where some of his changes seemed quite strange. And um, luckily, that's kind of been ironed out um, recently. I guess the last time it would have happened was at Old Trafford this season when um, they go, uh, they equalise. And then I think Rashford scores within a couple minutes and then he makes a triple sub, which he mm. hardly ever does. Um, mm. And I don't think he's done since then, <laughs> to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just one of those spur of the moment um, kind of things that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, if I'm being totally honest. But the first one, I think, was just damage limitation at that point, because, as you say, it was a, it was a barrage of attacks from Arsenal at that mm. point. Koja, would you say that it's... Um, sorry. No, go, go, go for it, go for it. Yeah, I was just saying, would you say that, uh, you know, looking from a, from from your perspective, uh, you know, the in-game management that, you know, that we didn't get it right, you know, in terms of the substitutions? I mean, you, you could have... Uh, you know, you could have thrown in Garnacho earlier, like, you know, um, but taking up, like, you know, uh, a winger to put Bruno on the right wing and putting McFred, you know, we were never going for the for the kill for a for a win. So it looks like we, we were going for a, a point, but we fell through at the 90th minute. So um, would you say that the in-game management was, was wrong from Eriton Hag at this point of time? Or? Because it's the yeah, second time yeah. we concede in the 90th minute. I mean, I, I I disagreed with from the the beginning with the start the starting well not completely starting out from one individual starting starting but um, no names um, but 
No, it, it was poor. And the reason why I think it's poor is because I'm, I'm not trying to, it's not in relation to Arteta, but you got to compare the two. Arteta made subs at halftime because he saw an issue where he maybe thought Ben White couldn't deal with Marcus Rashford. And Partey wasn't dealing with Rashford either when he came in. So he got someone a lot more solid. Similar to what he did, um, I think it was Liverpool when Tomiyasu started left back to deal with Salah. Sort of just nullify that threat straight away because Tomiyasu is, quite frankly, a very solid defender. In my opinion, if I'm going to be very honest, and I can't believe I'm about to praise an Arsenal player again, I think if he continues to defend as well as he does, because I haven't seen him have a bad defensive performance, he could be sort of like what Aspi was for Chelsea. You know, when Aspi played right back, left back, center back, and he was just solid. You, you weren't beating him. Tomiyasu can be that guy for Arsenal. So, obviously, they know Ben White, Zinchenko, Saliba and Gabriel are their mm. guys. But if one of them's out, there's only one guy that's going to walk in straight away. He's undisputed for me. That guy, is, he's bloody good. Um, damn. So, yeah, um, he, you know, he's, he's very good. But, you know, you compare that one. And then when Trossard came on, it was 2-2. But it made sense because Martinelli wasn't working. So, even though they're playing in the same position, the way they approach the game is very different. And you can see the way Trossard was starting to make trouble, not only for our defence, but for the midfielders as well. They weren't sure how to deal with him. I said it, there was a, a period of time where he had like five United players around him. Mm. And, and he just went through them and he played the ball very simple. And that's the best thing about Arsenal's play as well about that day was, even though they were after the win, the, the forward play wasn't rushed. It was very, very concise. They took their time with it and they found the right moments. You come to United now, you're struggling to hold on to the game. So in my opinion you got to bring on maybe an extra defender just to help shore yeah. things up a little, calm things down at the back. And mm. if you're going to bring on Garnacho, see, the thing is, okay, so you mentioned Anthony earlier, you see he was cooking. Me, personally, I have, a to- I have a totally different opinion. And the reason why I have a different opinion is because I feel like the fact that this guy is not even struggling, he just doesn't use his right foot for anything. Mm. It's holding him back big time because... I'm not asking for him to shoot with his right foot. If, you, if you're not uh, a player that can use both feet like that, that's fine by me. But at least use it to dribble because it, it makes your job easier. He's on the right mm. side doing 360 turns to pass the ball back to his, <laughs> his right back. It's, it's, he's killing himself, you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he, he's predictable, predictable coming inside. And quite frankly, I know he's 22, so, you know, development and all that, give him time. But right now he hasn't got that that Robin factor that you know when Robin cuts in with his left, no matter yeah, yeah. what, you're not stopping him. He hasn't got that about him yet. So you I'm haven't seen the X factor that. yet blooming out, like you know, as he was playing yeah. the Ajax and Ayrton Hogs. So yeah, give him time. Exactly. So until he does. But that. when I was saying cooking, I mean he was his his overall defending ability was also helping out. Like he was tracking back and defending very well. And yes. when he was going forward, he was taking it on. And what I was saying, whenever he had the ball on the byline, like he had respect. He had two play, two three players, like you know surrounding him so they knew he, he's trickery right so mm. to see he was cooking now maybe that's wrong but he he was actually doing something well to that was tracking back and offering something going forward i think that's fair now, okay, when, when, when you when you took him off then you didn't have that attack and threat threat by putting bruno as a, as a right winger instead like you know and to play but, with but you see, you see, that, that's that's where, where my issue with the subs were i think mm. i think even if you got this job from atomically fine Take off Ericsson. People are saying to me that they disagree because of the creative aspect, and I understand that. But for me, in that moment in the game, you're, you're not creating chances. <laughs> like no, you need no. to hold on. So hold on to the lead. Yeah, exactly. So you take Ericsson off and bring Fred on, and you take Anthony off and bring Garnacho on. 
someone that's a bit more dynamic on the winger, mm. on the wing rather than Anthony. So mm. if you do get a counter attack, then you can let these guys go forward. And you know what? I would have taken off Weghorst as well. Weghorst wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weghorst. Weghorst. I would, Weghorst I would, as I said, I would take off Weghorst, put Rashford in the middle, put Ganache on the left, kept Anthony on, and still have that width, you know, the, the attack information. If you would have defended the lead, I would throw an extra defender like Harry Maguire or, you know what I mean, just to defend. Oh, oh just an example. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I know, I know. You're not wrong, because funny enough, I was thinking about him in the game, and I was like, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, Michael, we're not going, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, even then, exactly. I would have I would have actually taken off records for Palestri. I'm just saying. Mm, Palestri, yeah. I'm not, I'm not expecting Palestri there. to do anything crazy, but in that moment, just... If you get the ball, play it to the the, the fast guys, the dribblers, and see if they can create something out of nothing. Because until then, Arsenal are peppering you. And yeah. if, I, if there's a lesson to learn in this season, when Arsenal are on your neck, you're not getting out. So you, <laughs> you need to find another way to get out. Don't play mm. your normal style. Just get rid of the ball and let these guys try I think and run. That was and... half of your issue when it came to like an, an attacking aspect. Yeah. I think you halved both options that you had. You had the option to Arsenal playing very high. You could, you know, you could get them on the break. I think you did twice, once in the mm. first half, once in the second half. Both times, you know, it was like quite quiet shouts, shouts for penalties when mm. Bruno and Rashford went over. But also you had Verkhurst, who he's a big lad. He's someone who can hold up the ball and bring your wingers and your, you know, your players with pace into the game. And that didn't happen either. So for, that's where my worry was as an Arsenal supporter watching that second half. I was like, okay, we've got to be careful because United are devastating on the break. But both of your goals, in my, maybe I'm being overly harsh, but both of your goals, the Rashford one was, you know, a bit poor from Arsenal's part in terms of losing the ball where they did, but brilliance from Rashford. The second one, again, was was an Arsenal mistake, really. And, and you know, a great opportunity from Martinez to actually, you know, kind of hook that header in. But in terms of what your actual plan was to get through on goal, I think neither, the either holding up with Workhurst or catching us on the break, neither really happened. So that's I think that's the part where, not to discredit Ten Hag too much because you've done well so far, but where he either became a little bit unstuck or just became a bit too naive because when you went to two all, you know, the, you tried to slow the game down. You know, De Gea, you know, falling over on the ground, trying to just go for that, uh, which, uh, by the way, Thoughts and prayers. I hope that he recovers <laughs> hey, as a, soon as possible. Not easy, not easy. I not know easy. how those shoulder injuries be hurting when you, you just oh. fall over yourself onto the ground. I, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know when you wake up, you try to do this, and you're like, nah, man, not today. Yeah, when man. it's cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, De Gea didn't have a great distribution yesterday as well. Like you, you saw when he was kicking the ball, you know, thinking that Luke Shaw will pick it up. And it's like, where are you? He just kicked it out. <laughs> kick the ball out to the sidelines like you know so he wasn't that good on his distribution yesterday either so yeah no I can't lie find the word on me on the hair that, that, that didn't concern me about the hair I know he does that there was a moment in time when the ball was in the air in the box mm. and he was and he, was in the box he, was and he punched and he it like, I was like, I was like oh, <laughs> what the hell was that <laughs> what's going on yeah yeah <laughs> what? why 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 that was my Why? reaction Giggle. as well. I was like, that was, I said to my girl, I was like, that's weird. Why did you do that? <laughs> but anyway, you know what? May Night have a lot to learn, but they are improving. You are right. They are improving. They are getting better. But um, I think the biggest one right now is that Arsenal are pushing for the title. Yeah. And if I'm going to be very honest, I think when they meet City, they win one and lose one. And I think that will be enough for Arsenal to push on to go and win the title. And. <sighs> I think they're going to win the FA Cup game as well. 
Okay, we're just going after top four. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking the same PTSD language. Here. Just hold back, hold back. You know what? Can I, can, can I say something right here? Because I rather, I mean, from a rivalry perspective, I rather see Arsenal win the title than another City title, to be honest. Because if City win the title, they, they, they take our record. That's it. You know, football goes in cycles. And, you know, I, I had enough of seeing City dominating. I had enough of Liverpool's discouses as well. And look where they are in the table. So it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air because Prem has been very competitive this year. Like, you know, it's, it's not easy to win all these games. Not, not even playing the low league tables, uh, you know, the mid tables. They give you a game all the time. But kudos if you win the title, if you win the league, you know, I'll be more than happy to see that happening because it's good for the Prem. It's good for the football as well, as a consumer, as you're neutral. But obviously, I want United to win it. <laughs> to win it as well, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Probably. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be very cheeky to you guys as well, you know, when you won the, when you lost when the title was in year six, so it's about time, so hurry up. At least, like, <laughs> but when was the last time you won a title? Was it 2006, was it? Or? 2004, the Invincibles. 2004. That's how you know Cody's a hater, because as a non-Arsenal fan, you see how quick he was to be like, no, nah, no, nah, don't even give him those two oh, extra years. Not 2006, listen. 2004. You see him? He was, not, even a, not even one beat went. He was like, no, 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 not giving them that at all. You know what is I've grown up all my life. My, my brother's an Arsenal fan. My cousins are Arsenal fans. My some, Most of my oh, friends are God. Arsenal fans. So you're a glory hunter. Is that what you're my saying? My cousin that this. Oh, no, no. I followed my dad. I'm not going to lie to you. When I was younger, <laughs> I was going to support um, Newcastle or Fulham. And I don't know no why way. I was going to get Fulham. So, <laughs> boy. Um, Brother. You know, Brother, so my, 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 my brother is a Liverpool fan. Same. <laughs> oh, well, well, you guys are having a wonderful yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't. We are um, just the United family. That's, you know. Yeah, so no, when, when it comes... When it comes to Maynard Arsenal banter, I gotta be gotta be quick on my feet because this has been running for years. But it's been 19 years, man. So hurry up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hurry up, man. I know you guys been been waiting. Nine, yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. Jojo, so I get block it. me. I get it. So block me when we win the league. Block me because you're <laughs> your top five I mean, on my list. Top five. There's one 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 common <laughs> thing that we both have together, like being Arsenal and Manchester United, because we had like you know misery time for 10 past years, like you know. But it's so refreshing to see that, you know, we are going places as well with the rebuild and everything because nobody expected us to be in this position where we are now. We're playing both good football, right? We have progressive managers, like, you know, so it's so refreshing, you know, to watch you guys play football. It's it's entertaining. No, right? I need you guys to suffer for a bit longer. I can't <laughs> lie. No, I, Colin, I'm trying to give you the roses. Come on, I'm man. so sorry. You guys can suffer for another 10 years. Yeah. The trenches oh. we've been in. Since 04, yeah? The trenches. Sorry. <laughs> you guys have got another 10 years to go through. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, 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 remember when you signed mm -hmm. uh, Mikos Festa? That was a great time, oh isn't it? God. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he, he did get a win against United for Arsenal um, he did. at the Emirates. Uh, so I'll take that one. <laughs> he, did. he did. No trophy. But he did no, that no, no. But That's still. <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah, missed Lingard doing moonwalks, right? We missed Lingard doing moonwalks anymore. When Arsenal with the league, I need to block myself because Khalid's gonna find me and literally <laughs> no, at the ninetieth minute on the day that we win that trophy, you just hear a knock knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? You're on my oh, list, you're and you're welcome to the parade in N five. In May, you're welcome. I, I, I'll save oh, you a spot. Get a great you're, you're gonna welcome me to the parade? Yeah, come come on in. You deserve to see a trophy. It's been what five, six years for you guys. 
You deserve a lot. Oh, no, no, that's, that's fine. I'll come and tell you about how many times we've won the Premier League. But Hey, what? <laughs> But guys, imagine if we uh, got all the way in the Europa League and we, we go head to head in the finals. That would be something, right? I don't want that. I mean, you've got the round of 32 to, to worry can't about. Lie. First, so. I kind of want that. I can't lie. I kind of want that, actually. That would be nice. I mean, if it's Arsenal in the Europa League final, that would be beautiful. Yeah. A neutral yeah. ground. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. yeah. Um, but you know what? Let's wrap it up there. Um, and once again, Thank you guys for joining us and thank you guys pleasure. for joining me as well. Um, so, of course, as we always do, go let you guys plug yourselves and let everybody know where they can find you. So, ah, in typical Freeman Field fashion, again, we go with the victors bloody first. <laughs> Art, where can they find you? <laughs> um, mostly on Twitter, uh, being an idiot. So, <laughs> my handle's there, at Art Deroche. And, um, yeah, that's where I post silly stuff and some articles about Arsenal so yeah that's that obviously and his, his link's in the description below as is everybody's Colleen can they find you, you? Can, you can find me across my handle across all socials but if you want to see me get onto some United fans like I've done with Kojo and Mick today you know I'm on the terrace two three times a week <laughs> and on Eat London 103.6 every other Saturday morning so if you want to me to disgrace United a little bit more. That's what you get. <laughs> you know what? I was about to say that that radio that radio station is pretty good yeah. for you on this, and it is good. It is good. So you do your thing, and you know. But don't listen for the main night roasting. Listen because it's good. Yeah, listen for that reason. Mm. She's good. I, I I've seen her a couple of times on the terrace, and she does she does throw a good punches through uppercuts. So yeah, big up. No, no, she's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. awesome. The team isn't, but she is. Mick. Yes, sir. Where can they find you? Where can they find you? Um, um, YouTube channel, MUFC Realist TV Startup. It's been around since six months, 10,300 10, subs so far. Twitter, most likely on Ruby Red MUFC. But also, if you type in MUFC Realist TV, you will also find me on Twitter. Instagram, not really established yet. I'm just a one man band so far. So, yeah, I wish I could be eight minimes to clone myself, but slowly, slowly, slowly getting there. So, yeah, you can follow me. Mostly on Insta, no, not on Twitter. Yeah, awesome. And myself, yeah. awesome. And myself, uh, Kojo, uh, from the field, and all the audios and all the socials. That's all your favorite ones, including TikTok, apparently, for some reason. Ooh. And, um, <laughs> and of course, Spotify and the rest of that as well. Um, and obviously, here on YouTube, Free Me for Podcasts, you tap the end, you'll find us for the last time because someone messaged me about it despite sending me the link to my own YouTube channel, which is very confusing. Big number three <laughs> in midfield podcast. There you go. All right. They've been great. You've been great. They're top of the league and we're third. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> good night. <laughs>